everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm right here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Oh, hi, Nikki. It's so good to see you again. Oh, you just saw me. That's so nice. Coming coming around turn number one. Can I tell you, uh, we are on the heels of a fantastic day yesterday. Two webinars you did uh, yesterday on time blocking. And uh, as somebody who's been around the block on time blocking myself, I have to say, you did a hell of a job. Ah, thank you so much. I learned some, Appreciate I learned that. some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you learned yeah. some stuff. That's job. great. I did. No, I I'm I you know, I get very excited about this stuff. <laughs> I get uh, yeah, I excited about time blocking. And uh yeah. and, and I know we're gonna be talking about it a little bit more, but I think I, what strikes me, and I think what strikes me in this conversation about transitions is uh, something we talked about yesterday after the webinar with some of the questions that came through, how important mindset is to taking on things uh, that are hard. And in this case, taking on big transitions when you personally deeply believe you're incapable of transitions is going to define the prophecy. You will be bad at transitions. So right? true. And I'm so glad you brought this up because I swear you read my mind. You did this a couple of weeks ago. Again, you're doing it again. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing when I was thinking about transitions and I was thinking yeah. about w- what we experienced and what we heard over the course of the two webinars. Yes, mindset. Mindset and believing that you can do something because as soon as you believe you can't, you're right. You can't. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I think that's an important sort of frame of mind. And you may have some language deeply internalized. And we heard some of it yesterday. Like, I I don't believe it's true because the white space is too difficult to approach the, um, you know, there are just so many reasons that you've internalized mm-hmm. that that you believe are out of your control. And the truth is, if you really look at it, maybe it's not out of your control. Maybe none of it's out of your control. Maybe the pieces that are out of your control when you attempt to change them can change your life. And, right. and that's the that's the piece. And I think that we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. Oh, Nikki, it wasn't I I'm really excited about our guest today. Uh, well, of course you are. I, and I have to say, it wasn't my idea to have him here. I, I was it was not my I just want you to know this isn't a shameless chill. Because he's such a dear friend of mine, we're talking and a co-host to, from another a, podcast. And a that co-host, you do. we call my my our, our the sister. other man. At, at this point, <laughs> it's our sister podcast. Uh, uh, we we've got uh, our guest. I think it'd be like our brother 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 podcast. podcast? Is that okay? Brother yeah. podcast. Uh, I don't, can, does, <laughs> did anybody ever say that though? I feel like I podcasts know. are like ships. They're all they're all female. Um, Anyhow, uh, t- Tommy Metz is here and we're going to be talking about transitions and it's Melissa's fault. So in Discord, blame Discord mom. It's her idea. And we're going to talk more about that. But also, I think it's going to be an awesome conversation because of some of the things that we've changed on What's That Smell. And I'm excited to talk about that. But first, before we dig in, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list. And uh, each week we will send you an email with a new episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest at TakeControlADHD. And you know what? I'll just say this out loud. You can find me on Mastodon. I'm uh, uh, Pete at uh, True Story. Dot .fm on Mastodon you could find me and I'm going to be putting some more Mastodon-y stuff up. So I don't even know what that is. <sighs> Nikki, it's just exhausting keeping up with social media in 2023. It I'm really exhausted. is. I have no idea what you're talking about. When 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 Twitter imploded, 
a lot yeah. of us nerds went to Mastodon. And I run my own True Story server at Mastodon. And it's just like Twitter, oh. but it is decentralized. So, you know, a lunatic can't come and blow it up and take everybody offline and make it a horrible place. So that's it. I, it's Mastodon. I like Mastodon. It's a nerd kind of place, but there are more and more non-nerds showing up and I like seeing that. So I'm going to be doing some more ADHD stuff over there. Anyhow, the other really, really best place to check us out is on Discord. Our, we opened up a lot of new channels in our public uh, uh, server, and that is at TakeControlADHD.com slash Discord. There are emojis now. They're pretty. There's a whole ADHD public forum type channel, which is really fun. And uh, if you head over to that TakeControlADHD.com slash Discord, you will be whisked over to the general invitation and login page. Of course, if you're looking for a little bit more, particularly if this show has ever touched you or helped you understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, we invite you to support the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow the show, add new features, and invest more heavily in the community. Visit patreon.com, the slash the ADHD podcast. That's patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. Okay, here we are. It's time to Tommy. Hi, Tom. It's time to Tommy. <laughs> I I have to say, Tom, you. I mean, I I do a, a just a slipshod invitation or, or introduction of you because I know you so well and I take advantage of that. Mm. Uh, the truth is, you are a a, a fantastic filmmaker and screenwriter <laughs> and director, and you uh, also are lead a, a major. Uh, uh, chapter of uh, young storytellers in Los Angeles, and mm. you were a major part of that community. You are you are an incredible uh, communicator and all around uh, great human being. And uh, I am thrilled that some years back you agreed to do this other show, What's That Smell, with me as a yep. way to explore in in I think a funny but vulnerable way mm -hmm. the anxiety that that we live with and now you're here again repeat guest almost a hall of famer mm. and all three of us live with anxiety but here we are talking about change right. and that's a big one and maybe yeah. we just start with you giving us I, I mean I know the answer already so let me just say I I know the answer so you're not doing mm. it for me you're doing yeah. it for everybody else yeah. and for Nikki what did we do over at What's That Smell that got Melissa thinking that it would be great to have you here? Well, we have changed our format a little bit. Uh, What's That Smell? And not just because I've never been comfortable with the name of our podcast. Um, we <laughs> changed because after seven seasons of talking about anxieties, I think maybe we were what, on the ocean floor? <laughs> we were starting to come up with things of like, what am I afraid of? I don't know, that lamp might break. Um, and so instead, we both came up with the idea of the podcast had changed because we were talking so much about our lives and it wasn't just anxiety. Instead, we were talking about being human. And one of the biggest things about humans is emotions and yeah. feelings. And so, yes, we transitioned into WTS Presents All the Feelings for season eight. Every episode we take one, <laughs> we've already like, change is not a feeling. So like right <laughs> off the bat, we're kind of like off the reservation. But we take something, either a feeling or an emotion or a big part of being human and do a deep dive on it. Um, we do share personal stories, interviews, uh, 
we've shared poems, which is exciting. Games, yes. all this stuff. It's sort of a grab bag of all the things that make up a certain emotion or part of being human. And the first episode, because it was a big change for us, we talked about change. The end. <laughs> the the end. end. You're done. Yeah, You're and then I just I just fall that, off my chair. <laughs> do you? Are we gonna? Is this whole podcast gonna be just full with like Roger that over? You yeah, don't have yeah. to say this over. is a CB, right? I yeah. assume this is going off. <laughs> but when you were talking about change, I just, I, I, it's such a connection to anxiety, right? Any yeah. kind of change is going to give you anxiety. So yeah, it's a, it's a good lead into your new, you know, area. Yeah. And well, speaking of listening, I did, I listened to your first episode about uh, yeah, microtransitions. Um, which and the difficulty that uh, microtransitions can be for people that suffer from ADHD, which I do not. But it really uh, reminded me about because you brought up young storytellers earlier. Mm -hmm. One of the things that young storytellers HQ when they're writing the syllabus for each season have really started pushing is the idea of some sort of transition when we go from block to block. There's always sort of a learning block and then a game block. And then they go off with their mentor or mentors and do a creative writing. And I wasn't exactly sure why this was so important. And they've never uh, talked about it being a change of the reward system like you guys did. Right. But what, what it's doing is to go from a game right into, okay, now go over there and make up a story. Making up a story is also really fun, but it's a different kind of fun than like zip, zap, zop, or I hid something in the room, go find it. So <laughs> to remind them of the reward system, now it's time to go back to your stories. You know, re like you talked about teachers uh, bringing people back in from recess and making it still exciting. I think that's a big part of it. They don't talk about it as much. They do transitions like have some sort of deep breathing thing or do a Tai Chi or put something on your head. But I think the idea is to shift the thinking mm -hmm. into yeah. that next. Yeah. And so I just I, it's perfectly uh, in tune with that. And then the other one last other thing is um, I didn't know that I was doing it, but I was I have been doing it for the last about year is when I have work to do or different tasks. I have always given myself like 15 minutes in mm -hmm. between to either yeah. read like a graphic novel, watch something, play a video game real quick, something like that. I think you called it a transition treat, giving yes. a transition yes. treat to the yes. dopamine puppy. Uh, yeah. That's I give myself that and that I learned it late in life. I desperately wish I'd learned it earlier. It just makes everything a little bit easier. It sort of greases the wheels in going mm -hmm. from task to task. So I, I appreciated all of that. Yeah, I, I think that has been a, a, a pretty major uh, uh, just sort of a sense of awareness over a number of years that we've been talking about how important transitions are. I can't I mean, it's probably been five or six years since I you know, people can schedule time with me on my calendar. And since I started shaving off five or 10 minutes from all standard meeting times, like you can't mm. schedule a half hour with me, you only get 25 minutes. And I'm pretty good about saying I'm done at mm -hmm. 25 minutes or 50 minutes for hour meetings. Like that has been a huge thing because I need that time to transition. I didn't uh, when I did it, I never really considered the the dopamine redirection aspect of it that we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. But that's that's hugely important um, and and has been really helpful this week to consider, like, maybe maybe I need to do something to rather than just regroup of the, over the meeting I just had or the session I just recorded. Maybe I need to do something proactive 
to reattune my brain to some new activity, to, to mm. that new dopamine redirection, um, and, and just think more clearly about transitions than I have in the past. Like, I've built in the system, but not the, the sort of result. Well, and the other piece I think it does for us is that it gives us the ability to be more mindful going into the next uh transition. Yeah. And I know with my own appointments too, especially if I'm working with clients, I need to have that 10 minutes in between uh, because you have to like walk, you have to like get up, walk away from what you were just into, right? Mm -hmm. And then be able to be really mindful for the next person. And you can't do right. that without having some kind of transition going straight from one person to another person. You're not going to get the best of me that second person is not going to get the best of me, yeah. which is not a good right. thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So th today we're we're moving into big change. Yes. And that's that's what we want to talk about. And I my uh, my sort of opening thesis for and, and Nikki, I wonder if you could just sort of lead the charge on on this. The question is, how do we adapt to big change? And do we have any lessons to learn from what we talked about last week in handling little change that can help? The, the whole, uh, and, and let's just, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit. Part of the whole reason we wanted to do a session, a, a whole series on transitions is because of how badly we didn't want to do a back to school episode again. Like <laughs> the, we, we're done with back to school episodes. Everybody knows how to go back to school. It's hard. But in that context, we are going back to school, back to work, home from vacation, and those can be larger transitions, right? And, and from, but also implementing new things in your life that you might have learned, building new habits, like all of those things can be can be more significant changes than I'm going from one meeting to another meeting. Right. And in the spirit of dopamine redirection, right? Like if I can train myself to be better at making change from one direction to another over the course of minutes. Can I apply the same thinking that will get me over the hump of the emotions that come with big change, too? Because what are those emotions? I mean, Tom, this is what we talked about in that first episode, like fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear. I mean, there are a lot of emotions that erupt from change. So that's what I'm thinking. And I'm wondering if you guys have thoughts on it. I think that a lot of the same things apply. It's just that you have to give yourself more space and more time to process these bigger changes than if you're just going from meeting to meeting, right? We're going from meeting to meeting. We're, we're talking about a 10-minute shift of getting out of your office, walking around a little bit, getting a drink of water, recentering. Bigger ch transitions, is not they're not going to just be a 10-minute fix, right? Um, I went through, I'm going through one right now. And okay. that is, I'm going to be an empty nester in a, in a year. Oh. Right. So I have a college student or a, a son who's going to be a junior in college. He's already moved out. And then we've got our daughter who only has one year left. And I'm just like, Oh, I want to hold on to this year. I don't, <laughs> I don't want it to go so fast. Cause we know it goes fast. But I was in his room and I was cleaning up his his room, my older son, and we're making it into a guest room. And this was just a few weeks ago. And it was hard. It was sad. It was a sad transition to see this like, you know, teenage boy's room and then having it now be this like guest room. And I was talking to a, a client about it and she was like, but you know, let yourself grieve, like let yourself grieve that moment about what you're going through, but also celebrate. And this was so sweet. What a wonderful mother you have been to this young man, 
Mm. Oh, God, and, that oh, gets you in the feels. It wow. just like, whoa. So I think it kind of goes back to mindset. Yeah. How are we, how do we work through this? Like, yes, it's grief, it's grief, right? It, it hurts. But at the same time, what's the, what's the opposite of that? And that she really, you know, put that light on me and it just made me feel really good Yeah, (laughs) during that time. But that is the dope. That's the dopamine redirection, right? That's the the dopamine serotonin partnership. And one of the things that our our dear friend and past guest, uh, Dr. Dodge told me, and I I went into a a conversation with him and talked about this, the episode we did last week. And he said, one of the things that is so interesting about dopamine is not only does it, is it the reward center, but it's also the chemical that reminds us when we are on track to receive the thing that we want right it's the it's it's the chemical that tells you if you're moving in the right direction not just you it, it explodes when it's time to get a reward right so it it when you can put yourself in the mindset of I'm a good mom and I have done good work to get my kid to this point that's sort of the end of the journey of dopamine telling you that there is a good thing on the horizon. And that good, that reward is you have a child that can go forth in the world and not be, you know, uh, despondent. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. You've done you've done right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tom, what do you think in terms of what you have been thinking about after our big change on the show? We did a ton of research for that episode. What is stuck for you that you think is important to share? One thing that I have to be careful of. And this is actually mm-hmm. something we didn't talk about on the show, if that's okay, if you'll allow it. But watch yourself, counselor. Is <laughs> You can't um, watch yourself, counselor yourself, Tom. I can't. Out loud. No. All right, Pete, approach the bench. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I desperately want to be a TV lawyer. <laughs> Overruled, this whole podcast is out of order. What I wanted to say is one of the things that I have to worry about about change is procrastination. When something is scary, I want to put it Mm -hmm. off, put it off. And that involves something which I am now (laughs) just coming up with a phrase, fake dopamine, uh, which is (laughs) the really quick... I think that's cocaine. Yes, (laughs) fake dopamine, or as I call it, (laughs) bourbon. It's, um, (laughs) It's that rush of relief that I get when I put something off. I'm just not going to deal with it right now. And then there's relief. And then it's so fleeting. And what I don't notice and what I'm getting much more mindful about is the anxiety about how I, I'm just compounding it. It's yeah. still going to have to happen. And now I just have less time start seeping in. It's almost like uh, I don't know much about addictive drugs, but it seems like you're always you then end up sort of chasing that high, which gets yeah. lesser and lesser and lesser as it goes. So that's why I call right. it fake dopamine. It's like it's a five second few and then this creeping slow back to anxiety and knowing that I have to change and knowing that I have to do something. Um, no, what you're talking about, about the mindset and cognitive reframing is the name of the game. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it. That's the best way to do it. Uh, one of the things we talked about when I talked about uh, moving that was the big change that I had to do um, was moving my oh, because, apartment. Yeah, you saw in your apartment, it was like on a cloud of rainbows and everybody else had to tell you your apartment's trash. <laughs> How dare they? And then I made new friends and they said the same thing. And then I made new friends. Um, 
No, yeah, I think uh, one of the things, and this has to do also with procrastination, but that I will rose color glasses certain things in order to just put off changing. Uh, I was fooling myself. My apartment was not in good shape. And it wasn't my fault. Uh, the people that ran the apartment building were a mess. Everything was a mess. You could hear yeah. it on all that, uh, all the feelings, episode one, 801. Um, but yeah, I was looking at it and I was fooling myself into saying, isn't it cool that I'm so easygoing? That I don't need oh. all of these, the trappings that other people need. And it's okay that when I turn on my oven, it fills with gas for 15 seconds and then blows open sometimes with a small <laughs> fireball. I was like, yep, that's how casseroles are made. Like I just made myself into this other person. And it wasn't until I moved here to my new place where I was like, man, I was not easygoing. I was just afraid. I was settling. So you were hard. settling. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly the word that I just came to mind is you were settling for that, thinking it was okay. And then when you saw something different, you realize looking right. back, right? Like, hey, wait a minute. That probably wasn't the best scenario for me to live in. No, it was insane. And, <laughs> and settling seems like such a passive thing, but I was settling so hard. Like I yeah. was working aggressively. to set aggressively settling, yeah. which yeah. doesn't seem like a thing, but I think it was because. Moving is one of the most difficult things you can do. Just you're completely uprooting everything. Right. And yeah. putting yeah. your faith into a completely new situation. And that can be scary. And instead, what pushed me out, well, A, was I wanted a dog and to be able to live at night during the summer because we weren't allowed to have air conditioning in the old place. The other thing um, was... The end. <laughs> I, forgot what I, was, I forgot what my transition, what my last thing was saying. Oh, the cognitive reframing. What I needed to say is it can be so much better. Yeah. I yes. was saying, I don't know what's coming. And so I was uh, automatic, like negative thinking. Right. Uh, and here's all the things that could go wrong instead of here's what I know will go right. I will get a dog. I will have a dishwasher. I will mm -hmm. be able to breathe at night. Like all of these things, I won't be surrounded by metal plates because the super doesn't know how to fix things. Um, if I had spent more time leaning that way, then that would have been easier for me. But I didn't have the tools yet. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think that's a that's a huge piece of it. Like, what are the tools that you have to sort of develop? What are the muscles you're developing in order to be able to see around that corner? Because I know I don't like I, I, you, you. We said aggressively, but I, I actually think in terms of your experience of moving, when everyone around you says this is a bad thing, you need to move, you're sort of antagonistically settling, right? Like, right. <laughs> you're the villain in your own future story that you're preventing yourself from seeing this this new way. I I feel like I'm I'm terrified. We've been in this house for 24 years and I we need to move. Like there are things that it's time for us to move. I am terrified of that process. Like I am just straight up terrified of that process and I know I am antagonistically settling hmm. to, you know, even to my wife and my kids. And I am they say, well, this was our childhood home. You can't move. And I say, oh, well, OK, you know, because <laughs> childhood home. <laughs> Take pictures. So, right. Like and then you're are, fine. And, and then you can right. move. <laughs> well, I, I hear that and I can I say it out loud. But yeah. then my brain says, you know what, <laughs> Pete, you have ADHD. I'll bet you'll lose this thought pretty soon. And then it's mm -hmm. gone. 
because I move on to something else and I mm-hmm. get distracted and then it goes away. And then the swing back around when I'm reminded that it's time to move hurts even more. Mm. Right. This that hurts almost, even more. It feels yeah, like ahead. the same thing with finding a new job. Like when you guys are talking about moving, I'm also thinking that there's a lot of fear of switching yeah. a job. Right. Huge. And if you're already in a job and it's comfortable, like switching to something different, unknown, it, terrifying terrifying yes uh anyway that's just i was it's just so connected they're they're so related i've done the exact same thing i was in a job that i stayed in too long because i got comfortable and again like how i was easygoing with my apartment with -hmm. this job i was loyal right you were loyal (laughs) yeah i will reframe the things in order to stay i was i was being loyal to these people that then ended up (laughs) firing me (laughs) not being loyal to you right yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, one of the things that that we talked about, and I, I, I don't know if this is one of the things that that M- Melissa heard us and and wanted to to share with this audience, but it's something that I've been thinking about a lot, which is hedonic adaptation or the hedonic mm. treadmill. And um, the, the idea behind hedonic adaptation and when you think, you know, hedonic, think hedonism uh, as the root and it, it, you know, it has kind of, I don't know. <laughs> porny implications right you're you're only out for the good and it's like sex and food and you know drugs and whatever but but really in this case it's any like our happiness and our our uh, is is rooted in a in a in a direction and any change positive or negative disrupts that direction right either emotional stability whatever happiness um attention whatever that's disrupted and the research, the behavioral research into hedonic adaptation suggested early on that the norm humans were wired to that set direction and great change can happen. And for some reason, the research, earliest research was like you win the lottery or you lose a limb. Those were the two, <laughs> the two points on the spectrum, which is very, very strange. But you can replace those with whatever you want for good or bad. Eventually, you will come back to center eventually you will come back to center. And that center might be adjusted a little bit, but winning the lottery ends up not being the be-all, end-all of change in your life. And losing a limb is, turns out, not that bad in comparison to, you know, and, and eventually you adjust to it to the point that you you eventually find the norm. And it might take a very long time, but you'll come back to your set direction. And a lot of the theoretical application of hedonic adaptation was debunked because they didn't take into account, you know, class, culture, wealth, etc. But the idea is pretty provocative to me that if I think about the impact of change in my life and how scared I am of it, as soon as I apply this mental model of hedonic adaptation, it gives me just a little bit of freedom because that is a thing that lets me see around the next corner. That is a metaphor that says, you know what, if I'm if my path forward is a rubber band, this change is plucking it. And I know that it's going to vibrate for a while, but eventually it'll find stillness. And that, to me, feels like hope. <laughs> that mm-hmm. feels like calm. That feels like I, I can sort of see that there's an emotional end point. And and that's pretty powerful. Does that ring any any mm-hmm. bells for you guys? It does for me, definitely, because I sometimes for change, like, for instance, when I was moving or if I have to get a new car, if I'm making a big change for something that I don't 
I feel like I'm unprepared for. I sometimes make the mistake of thinking there's one right way to do things and I'm mm-hmm. at risk of making the wrong decision. And then I will sort of look at that decision with regret for the rest of my life. And that's yeah. just not true. <laughs> a car right. is a car. I don't personally care about cars, meaning like I'm not a real car person. And every car that I've ever owned that I agonized over has become my favorite car. Because who cares? It's a car. I just right. drive around and go beep, beep. Like the idea is I wrongly think that I that the rubber band will continually be yes. wavering up and down yes. for forever. And instead, it always everything that I do ends up being fine and yeah. it ends up feeling more normal and it becomes the new normal. If we want to use that phrase, whatever it is, um, uh, we talked, I think maybe about bookshelves. Maybe we didn't, I think maybe I didn't end up using that part on our episode, but I had to buy a new bookshelf and I was at Ikea and I was going back and forth and back and forth for what seemed like hours. I'm sure it wasn't that long between two bookshelves and measuring them and thinking about it. And I just got caught in this really weird feeling of like, there's one right bookshelf and one of these Mm -hmm. is going to be wrong and it's not going to fit. And then forever when I go into my bedroom, I'm going to look at it and think that I failed and I got it home and I built it and I've never thought about that bookshelf again. And you know who else doesn't think about bookshelves? Anyone. Right. When you walk, when you walk into an apartment or a house and you see a bookshelf, you don't go, let's judge that bookshelf. You want to see what books are on it. Right. But yeah. I got caught into thinking that the shell was the most important thing and there was one right way uh-huh. and one wrong way. And again, the rubber band will always settle down. And there's, right. I'm trying to really keep that in the forefront now as a tool. I love that. I love that. And I have to tell you, um, yesterday, so I was working with a client and we were trying to, he hadn't made a decision yet on what task management system he was going to use. So I was like, okay, we're going to make this decision today. Like before you get off the call, you're going to know what you're going to use. And I'm sure he had all those feelings, Tommy, that you had about which one is right, which one is wrong. And we look at TickTick and we look at Todoist. And I'm not kidding you. They are almost identical. (laughs) Right. They really are like the, the basic format. They're almost identical. Now, Pete, I know you probably have a whole lot to say about how they're different, but. <laughs> no, the- I don't. It, I really don't. I, I think you're absolutely right. And you can say the same thing about things and you can say yes. the same thing about OmniFocus, like for basic functionality. They're the same. Yeah. <laughs> and there is not one or right one wrong or right one to choose. You don't have to take the one that I use. You don't have to take the one that anybody else has used, you know? And so basically I was like, they're basically the same. You just got to choose which one you think you like better. Like what, you know, what do you like better? He chose to do it. I'm like, great. That's what we're doing. He's not going to regret that. I mean, there isn't anything that's going to be worse, you know, like, I think it just goes back to that. It's, it's, it's always bigger in our head than it really is once you've made the decision. Yeah. And and I'll say, like, Tom's decision about bookshelves, really, the ripples in the pond uh, were significant because uh, those of us who are friends with him and podcast with him had to hear about them every week for weeks because... <laughs> 
There was the purchase decision. And then we had to see them in boxes on the floor behind him. Like everything looks <laughs> yes. great right now. Yeah, but it looks I, great. That, that, that decision was non-trivial and, and I think important. Although slight side story. Um, my We have some dear friends who are empty nesters now. And they had, as a learning exercise, given one of their children uh, an Ikea bookshelf for their bedrooms. And the, the daughter built the bookshelf and never thought about it again. And now she's gone. So the parents went in to move some things around. And moms took one book off the shelf. And the entire thing crumbled because <laughs> it was put together backwards and didn't use the back. And like all of the support was handled by the books themselves. And I think that's really funny. Again, <laughs> continuing the metaphor, eventually the rubber band will find stillness it will vibrate again for others. Don't worry. <laughs> right, <laughs> That's right. a way to pay it forward. Uh, well, and some, one other point that I didn't make is you had said, Tommy, about like the bookshelf does, it, 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 it's doing what it's supposed to do, right? It's holding your books. It's not about the bookshelf. Like you just have to make the decision. And that's the same thing with like a task right. manager. That's just yeah. a tool. It's how right. you use the tool that's going to make a difference, not which tool you take or which one you use. So- you it, there's a risk of uh, mistaking functionality for importance. Right. I don't know that that's not the best way to say but that. But I know but what yeah, you're saying. You yeah. just need you just need the vehicle to get you over, right? To get you where you need to go. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Yeah. There's a funny side of that though. Like, so I'm I. Uh, whenever somebody asks me, what note tool should I use instead of Evernote? I start on a deep internal <laughs> spiritual journey, and I try them do. all again. And this, I did it again. And this time I came back around and surprising no one, I ended up exactly where I started with a combination of Obsidian and DevonThink. And I realized through the sojourn that research was part of the decision. Like being able to go back and check the landscape is, is the thing that gives me confidence that I'm in a place that works best for me. Not that it's right, not that there's a right answer, but that it's best for me. And, um, and sometimes I, I, I get, I, I need to, to refill the tank of, of that process. Like that process is as important. The, the discernment process of, of a tool is as important as making the choice. And I've got to give myself freedom mm. to that because I can right. make myself feel incredibly guilty about, um, you know, about doing the research on things that other people feel has no value. Right. I would never want to judge your research over a bookshelf um, because like that's valueless to me. That's not my place to judge. Right. Like right. it's not my place to judge that process and that decision. It, it is my place to judge so many other things about people, but not that. Not, <laughs> not the bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's kind of where I am in terms of um, in terms of, of experiencing big change. Uh, there, there's this other piece on uh, uh, that that I think is can be pretty powerful, and and it is like finding joy when you get to the other side of it to remind yourself of how powerful that that change was. I, I think there are times like I can I can imagine I can remember the last time I moved I had made a significant move. The move was very challenging and it was traumatic all the way through. And I never stopped to just think about sort of that that mindfulness piece of, hey, I did something hard. I celebrate some, that I did something hard and um, and, and didn't find uh, 
the act of making the change uh, as as significant as it could have been as a milestone in my life. Does that make any sense? What I see with a lot of my clients is they're focusing on the bad stuff. They're focusing on the the things that they felt like they disappointed themselves in in some way, right? And so they're not always looking at the more positive side of it. So it's easy to get down that rabbit hole of, I'll never do this, or I can't do this, or whatever, you know, whatever limiting belief is is stopping them from going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I do think it's very common. But I think it's so unhealthy, right, to to stay there. So it, it, it has to, we have to, again, work through whatever process that is. And Pete, you're talking about the research process. So somehow we have to give ourselves space to be able to process whatever change is happening. Mm -hmm. And that might mean talking to other people about it, um, you know, getting other people's opinions, even though really it probably doesn't matter what other people think because you're going to do what you want to do, right? Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's one of those things that you just have to process and go through. But I think it's the mindset. It's it's much healthier to see and look back at this is my story. This is who I am. This is what brought me to this point. I should be proud of that. I, you know, Mm -hmm. I persevered through all of this. Like if you can change the narrative in your head, it makes the, what's coming up, I think a lot more positive. One of the things that I've been working on with my uh, therapist, shout out to Bonnie, um, is I've learned, I've realized that I've gotten into a pattern of doing something that's scary, that that I have a lot of anticipatory anxiety about. Uh, and this can be a version of change. It can be, you know, a new kind of performance that I'm doing, a new kind of training, mm-hmm. anything like that. That can be changed. Um, really worrying about it, going through it, and uh, it goes well. But coming out the other end and going, whew, instead of sitting, what I'm working on now is sitting back and going, do you remember how nervous you were? Yeah. Remember right. that because the whole idea is to take past success and try to attribute it to future confidence. That's something I'm very bad at. Everything I do is like, this is the one I might blow. <laughs> and instead saying, remember how scared you were and it all went right. great. So maybe that can be armor for the future. But yeah, sometimes I, I sort of, you know, metaphorically, like swipe my hand over my forehead and go, Ooh, mm-hmm. made it through that one. Let's see what happens next. And instead, I need to really celebrate it. You need yeah. to celebrate it. And I but and celebrate I think- it by remembering how scary it was, which yeah, doesn't right. seem like celebration, but it shouldn't right. be relief. It should be congratulations and triumph. You yes. did this. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, and, absolutely. and some of that, if you can get good at it, I wonder how much of that, you know, muscle helps get over the I don't want to part of change, mm-hmm. right? right? Like, I wonder how, because, you know, we, we opened this conversation talking about mindset and the power of mindset. And um, I, I think that, like, there too many times, and speaking for myself, like, I can get stuck in the, I don't want to make that change. So I'm not gonna, therefore, it must not work. Right? And I'm like, going to settle for where I am right yeah. now, because it's not that bad. Yeah. But right. really maybe it is like, right. So it kind of goes back to that circle of, I'm going to convince myself that it's okay, that I don't want to do this. Right. Yeah. 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 And you can't make someone want to do something. 
you know, I mean, you can't like, I think if you look at the levels of change and I don't have them in front of me. So the, we've talked about this before. We did a whole show on this, but you know, you've got those different levels of people are telling you something and you're like, yeah, whatever. I'm kind of in denial. And then there's that, well, I kind of see that this is a problem, but well, I don't know. And then you kind of like start to move a little bit more forward. And then it's like the last step is this like action where you actually start to make these changes, but it takes time to get there, right? It gets Mm -hmm. time to do that action. And so if you're still at that first stage, even if you can become more aware that you're, this is an issue, you're getting closer. And I think that's something that Pete and I were talking about when we were talking about the time blocking is that the people that showed up and watched it, they know that there's something there. They wouldn't show up if not. They wouldn't show right. up if they didn't think that there was some possibility about it or around it, right? To help them in some way. And that's that first, you know, kind of opening the book and checking it out. You're but sure it is they weren't scary. just like walking by and they were like, wait, like yeah. <laughs> watching a TV well, show store front rogue, window? Rogue <laughs> yeah. webinar. That could be yeah. too. Well, what's oh, this? I'll sign oh. up for this. <laughs> <laughs> that looks good. Yeah. I need to purchase yeah. this Magnavox. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. nice. Uh, well, I, I think the, I, I really think, and I hope that folks are able to listen to this episode. If you haven't heard the last week's episode, to me, they, they, they feel like bookends to the same thing and being able to guide your transitions and take a more active role in, in small change is just as important as it is in big change. Uh, it, it just might take a little bit more It just takes a little longer in time and right, right. But the yeah. feelings are the same. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. All those feelings. All the feelings. Hey, <laughs> Segway. feelings. What? I Tom, know. Do you, do, would you, do you want to plug? Just plug something. What do you feel like plugging? Wink. Well, oh, there's this new cool podcast <laughs> that I've heard for eight seasons. Um, yes, uh, if you enjoy my horrible voice, but you do enjoy Pete and being smart and you enjoy humor and thinking about being human and emotions, go to allthefeelings.fun. And that's where you can find... Yes, it's allthefeelings.fun. Uncle Petey figured out all the beeps and boops and it's amazing. And um, yeah, uh, give our podcast a try. It's a thrill to do it with Pete. Every single week we are knee deep in season eight, but you can start if you want to know just about more about Pete and I, you can start all the way back in season one if you want and uh, start wherever you want. But all the feelings has been great. And as Pete likes to keep saying, for some reason, it's really given us more brisket for the barbecue. And no, so it's don't fair. do that. You made that a thing and it's not a thing. It's awful. Pete, as Pete, uh, as you can see at live stream, he's wearing the T-shirt right now. Uh, more brisket for the barbecue. He loves it. Um, yeah, it's really been helping uh, Pete and I breathe some new life into the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. I really, I, it does feel very much like the sibling. How about sibling podcast to yep. this show? Because I, I have the the real benefit of being able to think about a lot of these issues across two shows, right. and um, and it's That's really, great. really uh, a fun kind of way to explore the more complicated pieces of our brain. Um, I personally consider it more of a brother too. podcast, but yeah, call <laughs> <laughs> back. Uh, and so that is that is that. Tom, thank you so much for hanging out today. It's this was wonderful. It's always, always a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you to your wonderful listening audience for having me on. And thank you, everyone, 
for downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute to the show, uh, we're heading over to the Show Talk channel in our Discord server, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level or better at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and Tommy the III, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Thank you.